Coming up today on Locked On Texas Tech, the morning after. We were feasting, we were famining in Manhattan, Kansas. As the Red Raiders come up short against the 25th-ranked Wildcats, we are chopping it up inside and out, top to bottom, next on Locked On Texas Tech. You are Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're going to start this thing off right. Glad to have you along for the ride on Locked On Texas Tech, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Casey Cowan, and I'd like to thank our friends at LinkedIn Jobs for bringing you this episode and being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster, so post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college. Now terms and conditions apply. Woo. The morning after report in West Texas, this time around following a 37 28 loss for the red Raiders is. (coughs) (coughs) It's a little bittersweet, not going down quite as smooth as it did the last time around, as the Red Raiders were victorious over the Longhorns. I do use the word bittersweet specifically because there was was some sweetness to it, a little sweetness to it. Texas Tech goes to Manhattan, Kansas as an eight-point underdog. They leave as a nine-point loser. Clearly, there were plenty of things that went the wrong way for the Red Raiders that led to you taking your second loss of the season. But I think if you're being fair-minded about it, you also have to look at some things that were Pretty sweet. Some things that you like, some things that came about for Texas Tech, mostly in the middle of the game. Second and third quarters were really all Red Raiders on both sides of the ball, and that's why you had a chance to remain in the game there in the fourth, but couldn't quite make the plays here or there, and that's when, again, it went back to both sides of the ball and really all phases of the game as Texas Tech has a missed field goal to open up the fourth quarter there as well. In addition to some offensive breakdowns, you've got – Turnovers once again, you've got offensive line issues. Your quarterback was sacked six times, one of those leading to a a big fumble there in the fourth quarter. You got chunk plays for K-State's offense uh, in the first, and then again later on in the game, whether it was Deuce Vaughn, who eventually became loose as a deuce, like a long neck goose in a caboose. Uh, After taking some some tough shots, man, you, you punished number 22 a few times, but Credit to Vaughn, you you know, pound for pound, as tough as anybody in the conference uh, was able to make some plays later on. And Adrian Martinez, the K-State quarterback, got unhitched pretty much immediately as you had a two-play touchdown drive for the Wildcats to open up the game. And what you couldn't even imagine, I guess, as a Tech fan at that time was that that would only be the first of two two two-play scoring drives for the Purple Wildcats. I didn't know exactly uh, what the protocol was there with Martinez early on in the game, but I I thought maybe we were going something in the realm of uh, Ali Foreman, you know, rope-a-dope, because I really thought, man, many more of these 57-yard runs, this guy's going to be gassed. So I don't know if that was like part of the, the plan or the protocol or whatever, but yikes, it was ugly on drive number one for the Texas Tech defense. But you did have a response that followed, and that again is – I think part of the really frustrating thing about this football team right now uh, in that you've got so many things 
that probably make you a team that that doesn't deserve to win a game uh, like what you played on Saturday. But you also have so many things otherwise, some related to intangibles and, and some guts on display once again for the team, but also some capability to just make plays uh, on both sides of the football that keeps you in a game uh, like what you played on Saturday. Whether you deserve to be there or not, you were there. And so there's so much conflict, I I think, uh, as far as how I feel about this uh, as a Tech fan, because you've got to give credit where credit is due. And I think we continue to see what we've seen so far in that it is a tough-minded and resilient football team. But there are just some things that, that you can't overcome, really. And I don't know that many times on the road or in general in Big 12 play, you're going to be able to overcome losing the turnover margin as decisively as Texas Tech does. But it spells your doom once again. You see it there on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Four to one, the count going the wrong way for the Red Raiders. I feel pretty comfortable saying you will never beat Kansas State, especially in Manhattan, losing the turnover margin. Four to one. I mean, it's another week where Joey McGuire can accurately say we shouldn't have been in this ball game. And as I was alluding to just a moment ago, that, that's the frustrating part right now. Tech does so many things that make them a team that might not deserve to win a game like that, but they fight like hell and give you things you, you have to be encouraged by, I think, when it comes to the rebuilding of this program, which is a ground-up project. Let's, let's not forget that. Let's not kid ourselves. Offensively, and maybe more so as a team in general, but specifically here where the conversation goes offensive, I just think you're going to be in so many feast or famine situations this season. And really from quarter to quarter, you're seeing that. Donovan Smith seems to be the kind of quarterback that, again, at least maybe until he's got more starts under his belt or he, he matures as a quarterback, uh, is going to be feast or famine. I, I saw it within the game. You see it week to week. Kind of his lack of, of pocket feel, some slow decision-making, you know, combined with a left tackle that must be mad at him over something. I don't know if there's just like general beef there or what exactly is going on, but none of it is adding up to consistent success for the Texas Tech offense. But you also had touchdown drives of nine plays, 86 yards, seven plays, 75 yards, 13 plays, 75 yards, even had a 51-yard drive to get you into field goal position from the K-State 24 to open up the fourth quarter. You missed the field goal, but a decent sustained drive. You have to be doing some things right at some point or another to put together drives like that that wind up in touchdowns. I mean, there's so many things within a seven-play or think about that 13-play drive that could go the wrong way, whether it's penalties or turnovers or negative plays or whatever putting you behind the chains. But you were able to to establish and sustain those drives and, and put points on the board. So... Again, part of that feast or famine equation, you were feasting there in a big way uh, as far as the second and third quarters were concerned. I don't know how you flip that switch. I don't know what exactly uh, is the recipe to get you there more often or maybe get you there earlier in the game because, once again, it was a game where we saw a really slow start for the Red Raiders. I'm not sure if, if they didn't know if everybody was off the bus yet. Is everybody ready? Do we wait? Do we go? Oh, well, the first quarter has started. Adrian Martinez is 57 yards down the field. I think now would be a good time to go. But that's not just a defensive problem. That's not just an offensive problem. That was a team-wide problem, it seemed like. So working on that this week, I'm sure. But back to the offense specifically, moments you like, moments you dislike, whether it's Donovan Smith, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's maybe a a lack of, of some impactful depth 
at the wide receiver position on Saturday. Uh, a whole lot to chop up there, but chief among all these groups, the offensive line. Uh, that's where games are won. That's where games are lost. And uh, again, I think you saw a week last week where maybe you felt like there was some progress there for Coach Hamby's group, uh, but did not feel the same way, at least consistently this time around against Kansas State. And I really think you have to point to first your left tackle because that position is a premier position. It's one of the most impactful individual positions that you're going to find on any football roster for better or worse. And right now you just simply need a whole lot more out of Caleb Rogers. I mean, you come into the season with Rogers as the guy that last year took the second most offensive snaps on the team and you're hoping for some real progress. You desperately need some real progress. I think he's cooking somewhere around 21 starts now in his career. Uh, so you're really needing some steps to be taken towards something that resembles, you know, an all-conference kind of standard. I, I think Texas Tech can expect that there and uh, expect someone to meet that kind of standard. But uh, you weren't there over the weekend in Manhattan. There's no question about that. A big, big issue for the Red Raiders. As far as the ground game goes, it was tough to really establish some things consistently outside of that window where really you did see, uh, namely, Sir Roderick Thompson as a big part of sustaining some extended drives with uh, some really crafty running. I, I thought he was a guy that was showing a lot of patience behind the offensive line and, and picking his spots pretty well. Uh, wasn't able to do it often enough to statistically have a big day, but he had some big stretches where really you felt like, wow, from a physical standpoint, Tech's getting the better of these guys. And it ain't no slight feat getting the better of Kansas State from a physical standpoint defensively, but the Red Raiders had their moments. Uh, as far as the wide receiving core, it felt a little bit disjointed throughout the day. It got better within that middle stretch for Tech, certainly than it was in the first quarter where Donovan Smith just looked like an uncomfortable quarterback and 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 absolutely was not finding any consistent connections there as far as pass catchers are concerned. Really beyond Xavier White, it was kind of like, where you at, wide receiving core? Uh, who's to say what Miles Price's day could have turned into because he was fairly uh, engaged and involved and productive, finished the day with 44 yards uh, over the course of six catches, but got dinged up there. But really, Xavier White leading the way with nine catches, 120 yards, got in the end zone as well, had a big catch in a clutch time uh, moment where really you felt like probably with a better throw could have been in the end zone again there in the fourth quarter, but was a nice day for Xavier White. Trey Cleveland provides maybe the, the highlight of the day as he makes a one-handed grab there on the sideline with the left hand while he's dragging and interfering and holding and probably saying some not nice things defender uh, behind him and then just goes ahead and suns him, carries him on his back. It's only Trey Cleveland's footprints in the sand for like the next 15 yards or whatever. That was just an incredible play. And you would have to imagine would certainly stand as one of the more memorable highlights that this season will have to offer up. But there wasn't a whole lot of depth, again, as far as that impact was concerned. The tight ends certainly were not in the category of making the kind of impact that they made a week ago against the University of Texas. You're expecting a lot more uh, out of that positional group and, and out of those pass catchers in general. Uh, but it wasn't there often enough for Texas Tech uh, to get it done to the tune of a win in Manhattan. Donovan Smith, 34 for 48, 359 yards. Pair of touchdowns also went for 50 on the ground, got into the end zone. Um, that is without a minus 30 or so for sack yardage taken away. He was sacked six times on the day, but 
carried it 12 times for 50 yards and a rushing touchdown. Again, gave you some plays that I think are unique to Donovan Smith. You know, the kind of plays where he's got to rely on his own physical ability, instinct, and, and improvisational ability in some cases, certainly in the midst of a collapsing pocket. You're asking those types of things from him. And in moments, he provided things that, that only he can. And unfortunately, in other moments, uh, he's been providing things that specifically he has been as far as turnovers uh, so far this season. And you just have to continue to kind of ask the question, uh, how much longer do you go on doing the same thing with your quarterback when that column is so heavily filled as far as the turnovers are concerned? We've talked about it before. There are so many things you can and can't do as a quarterback. I mean, you can keep the job and, and be a uh, at least not a negative when it comes to your team. Uh, you can be a manager, bus driver type of quarterback, yet don't turn the ball over and remain in the good graces uh, of everyone. But it's difficult to, to fathom how many big plays Donovan Smith needs to dial up to compensate uh, for the negative plays that unfortunately have been dialed up for the opposition. I want to give Kansas State some credit in some of these moments, obviously for the plays that they're able to make defensively, whether it's abusing the offensive line or, or causing some, uh, some turnovers, creating some takeaways for their defense. Got to credit Kansas State. Knew they would be a tough challenge on the defensive side of the football, but Anytime you're talking about turnovers, I think you're, you're probably going to have a variety there where on some type of sliding scale you feel like, yeah, the, these are more your own fault versus, you know, the defense just making a great play. There's always going to be, you know, some portion, I think, that makes you feel like you've, you've got a self-inflicted wound there uh, that you're talking about. So they've got to continue to hammer that for Zach Kitley and company on the offensive side of the football, trying to stay out of their own way. But again, it, it's it's a failure on a variety of levels because you got a combination of factors that were leading to to some rough moments, obviously, some rough quarters uh, for the offensive side of the ball. Sometimes a, a pocket crumbling, sometimes a quarterback's not getting it out quick enough, and the like. You can imagine all the things that, that may be going wrong uh, against the defense like Kansas State is typically trotting out. Uh, we do have to remember that they get to try to. They, they get the chance to make it hard on you, and uh, credit to the Wildcats for, for certainly doing that. The defensive story for Texas Tech, really interesting. And, and just, again, uh, another bittersweet kind of conversation where you're really encouraged by moments where your defense is saving your bacon. There's no question about it. We'll get to coming up some of the fourth down calls that were putting your defense uh, in an interesting situation. And for the most part, winning those scenarios. If you're talking about giving up three points in a short yardage or a, a I'm sorry, a short field situation, that to me is a defense. Uh, basically winning that uh, scenario. So you can always take it away, <clears throat> you know, give up a goose egg, sure. Uh, but for the most part, the defense bowing up. But once again, what are we back to? The feast and famine conversation. Uh, the defense is right there in the same categories. Love you, D, but the, the chunk plays were vicious and devastating. And unfortunately, too uh, similar to what we've seen in some years gone by, particularly against Kansas State. Um, the defense, again, keeping you there with a chance for a, a big portion of this game. So you've got to credit what Tim DeRuiter and company were, were doing, uh, I think, for the most part. But but nobody can be happy whenever you've got statistically uh, what you were giving up there, over 300 yards on the ground uh, against the Wildcats. I mean, it, it's a great rushing attack, and we'll see how often they're going to continue to pull it off that way. Um, so I want to credit Kansas State, but good grief. You would think with 11 guys on the field, 
somebody in purple might just trip over one of your defenders at one point or another. But I think a pair of 69-yard runs, not so nice uh, for Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez. Martinez had the 57-yarder, the we remember. Look, you know the story. Uh, it was tough sledding containing that attack. You did it mostly, but I thought it was a great example of actually what we talked about going into the Texas game, where maybe you're going to contain some things, but then you're broken open uh, with some huge chunk plays. Some of that for B. John Robinson, but nowhere near like what it played out in Manhattan, where you, you did see that, because I thought you kind of made it tough on K-State's offense for some significant portions of the game, but then you've got huge plays uh, that in tandem with those turnovers spell your doom. I, I think if we're talking about something simply as far as what we attribute this to, we're talking turnovers, and I think we're talking about those chunk plays on the defensive side of the football, clearly. So plenty of teachable moments from that one. There's no question about it. Much like the the team, the defense is, is right there on the way to something interesting, but but not quite having arrived there. And that's why uh, after four straight against top 25 competition, and how are we feeling about that <laughs> that Houston win now, especially Tulane, Green, waving all over the country. Good night. And Dana Holgerson goes, Graham Harrell on the home fans. He didn't go with the double middle fingers, double guns up, but uh, said something to the fans. How's your mother? That kind of translated into the double middle <laughs> fingers in the air. What a wild scene. But... Houston, a top 25 opponent at the time. It's not our fault you put them on the list, Associated Press. So we're riding with that still being a top 25 win. Point being, feast or famine. And that's why after four consecutive against top 25 opponents, I think you're two and two. Pretty good part of the time. Not so good uh, another part of the time. But the question for me as we continue to roll through this season uh, will be, are you finally under a coaching staff that can basically orchestrate a team getting better as the year goes on. Kansas State, I said it two weeks ago after the two-lane loss uh, going into the game with OU, typically they are a team that will get better as the year goes on and uh, maybe have some kind of head-scratching moments early in the season, then wind up winning eight or nine games and, and going on to a great bowl game. Um, and certainly looks like Kansas State may follow that path again this year. Good teams get better as the season goes on. Nothing remains the same week to week. You're only getting better or you're getting worse. Good teams get better as the season goes along. Can Texas Tech round into that kind of form at, at any point this year? Uh, hoping so, but clearly uh, we see that you've still got such a, a long way to go. But 500 football against those four top 25 opponents. Maybe we shouldn't be so surprised and certainly don't think we should be discouraged uh, by that two and two showing in those four settings, especially uh, with those two coming away from Jones Stadium. But when you get so close to doing something good, yet you feel so far away in some moments as well, I, I think that's really where you know that frustration uh, sets in in a major way. I feel like personally as a fan, Texas Tech looks like a bowl team. Um, not to suggest that that's a high standard, but it's not Tech's fault that it's not a high standard. And it's not our fault that that is the uh, standard that we're looking to get back to here in year number one under Joey McGuire. Uh, now again, after going there and, and getting a win over Mississippi State to close out the 2021 campaign. I thought for the most part, Trey Wolf had a nice day, had a big miss. It certainly wasn't in a gimme situation, but given what he's shown us so far, decent range on the heels of a 51-yard drive gets you to about the K-State 24, had that 42-yard miss there in the fourth quarter, but 
51 yard banger there to close out the first half. That was incredible as Texas Tech was capturing all the momentum at that time. And he nails it from 51 yards, has another from 39 that he's good on there in the third quarter. But unfortunately, there in the fourth, just 10 seconds into it, uh, you miss one there from 42 yards. It was it was a fourth quarter to forget, just soul-sucking aside essentially from one drive. 10 seconds in, you get the 42-yard field goal miss. You've got a, a fourth and five failure as you turn it over on downs. Can we complain about pass interference throughout the week? Yes, and absolutely we will. Nonetheless, doesn't change the result. You still turn it over on downs. Then you have a second and five later. Uh, you got a sack and a fumble there from Donovan Smith. You do get into the end zone, and I thought another gut check moment where, again, you got to say, well, damn, you're working with something. You're working with something here. You get a two-point conversion, which we will circle back to coming up. But nonetheless, uh, the fourth quarter was just like a slow, slow slide. It was kind of uh, – well, aside from the touchdown drive, you did feel like maybe like your your tank was was out of gas in a way um, as Kansas State was able to get back to dominating the football there for the most part, a little bit more even as far as time of possession. But you can see those numbers there on the screen if you're watching this on YouTube, something like 23 minutes, second and third quarter time of possession for Texas Tech compared to only about nine minutes for Kansas State. And you see a lot of your success come there uh, as compared to where you were doubled up uh, five minutes to 10 in the first quarter. Um, but I, I do feel like Texas Tech is is looking like a football team that will have something to say in the second half uh, of this season's schedule and hopefully something loud to say because, again, if you can be a team that gets better from week to week, then you'll, you'll kind of continue to hopefully trend in that direction and maybe pull off some wins uh, as underdogs, as you will obviously continue to be when you roll into Stillwater, Oklahoma, coming up this next weekend to take on what now looks like, uh, well, yeah, a Big 12 front runner. Uh, as for some other specifics from the ball game, fourth down calls. How are we feeling this week? That's going to be another and should be topic of a conversation in the LBK or across Red Raider America. You were one for three. It wasn't like the once in a lifetime six for eight situation we saw against the University of Texas. You were one for three. So two failures there. I don't really feel like in the fourth quarter, fourth and five, fourth quarter, trying to make a big play on the Tech 40. Again, can we complain about pass interference uh, after the incompletion to J.J. Sparkman? Probably so. Uh, nonetheless, three points it leads to for uh, K-State there, but, but you're kind of in desperation mode. There, there's no doubt about it, just trying to make a big play. But the fourth and one, early on in the game, I just – can't circle around a whole lot uh, that I like about it. Analytics be damned. You're on your own 34-yard line. We get a, a QB keeper out of the shotgun for a, a one-yard loss, and it does lead to three points for Kansas State. In a tight ball game, I think it's fair to wonder what that might have looked like if you chose to, to flip the field uh, or at least attempt to with your punter and then try to play some good defense on the other end. Uh, credit to the defense, again, for for bowing up and holding them to that three, uh, but have to wonder overall what it might have looked like if if you weren't in that situation to begin with. Hell, you could have converted it. There is always that option as well, but <clears throat> I just don't know that I'm ever going to be, and I'm not anti or pro analytics. I just don't know that I'm ever going to be in that situation uh, if I was in the headset feeling like you need to do that there, even though maybe it does reflect some trust in your defense. I'd probably maybe take the trust in the defense the other way and say, hey, let's see if we can pin them deep and let our D some, uh, do something really good uh, on their end of the field. But 
hindsight 2020 and you don't convert it and that's really what matters but you have the three points there uh for kansas state and when you're talking about <clears throat> a nine point loss uh you're talking about every point really mattering so something to discuss no doubt about it coming up this week i also was really interested in the the choice to go for the two-point conversion um I, I'm going to need some education as to what what the advantage was going to be there for Texas Tech because I felt like the potential risk of being down 11 uh, was not worth the, the potential reward of, of being down nine. We still knew you're going to have to have two possessions uh, to make any noise as far as giving yourself a chance to win. And if you are not converting, which they did, but if you're not converting, uh, and you're down there by 11, of course, that then requires a touchdown instead of just a field goal uh, to extend the game. I I don't know. I'm kind of grasping at, at straws, just guessing. Like, is somebody thinking, hey, if we're only down nine, then we can win the game instead of tie it with a field goal? That kind of seems like maybe counting some chickens before they hatch, but I don't know. Possibly that's the conversation. So 37 to 26 uh, without the extra point or a two-point conversion. That's 11 points, 37 to 27. If you just go with the extra point and are successful, that's 10 points, 37, 28 uh, with the two point conversion, that's nine points. And that's what it wound up being. So you get it and you're down nine, but you don't get it. You're down by 11. Huh? I felt like if it goes wrong, that decision could have taken you out of the game right there. So curious to hear from Joey McGuire, possibly Zach Kitley uh, as to what the process was there. And maybe we'll learn something that makes it, make a little bit more sense. And I got to admit also as a tech fan, I got some two point conversion PTSD because it just gives me a flashback to Fort Worth, Texas and bizarre decisions being made uh, by the previous coaching staff that day, including a kind of similar two point conversion situation where the payoff didn't seem to be worth the risk. Uh, so maybe my bias is showing or my trauma is showing as it relates to looking at this one in the same way. But Curious to hear from you. Uh, let us know in the YouTube comments if you're agreeing or disagreeing or, or what you felt like maybe uh, you were seeing there that, that would have made sense. Did you see anything that made sense on the final drive for Texas Tech? I go with the simplest explanation more often than not, right? I'm a simple-minded man. So that leads me to only being able to conclude the refs had to have Kansas State minus eight. There's no question about that, right? Because otherwise, the bizarre display that we saw from these jokers and stripes, even in the annals of Big 12 officiating, which is bizarre, I feel like almost stands alone. And you do it on a couple of plays. First off, the spot after the Xavier White catch, horrendous. What game are you watching? And that's like, what, four, five, six-yard difference? Okay. And then we go on to what, well, caught everyone's attention. You know, like a whistle, either prior to or during the play. Donovan Smith is picked off. There's clearly a whistle. I mean, I'm saying immediately to myself, as I'm sure a lot of Tech fans are, uh, no play, dead ball, taking it right back to the line of scrimmage, as you typically do. I don't know what explanation Joey McGuire might have gotten there on the sideline. And I was actually disappointed that Joey McGuire said he wasn't going to allow the Big 12 to, to fine him over a response there in the postgame press conference. Uh, I think Tech fans would have been happy to have gotten their pound of flesh uh, in the postgame press conference, and Citibank has plenty of cash. So, Coach, I don't know, man. Maybe we're cooking something up a little hotter there uh, after that. Does it 
in the game? I'm sorry, does it change the outcome of the game? I'm not going so far as to suggest that, but nothing that you're wanting to see replicated. And I can't imagine the Big 12 would either. It was just simply not a good look. And I'm not even sure that the whistle impacted the K-State defensive backs or the Tech wide receiver. Certainly Donovan Smith trying to fit it into a tight window, if you want to call it a window at all. But I don't care. The whistle was blown. I don't care if it screws K-State out of a game-sealing interception. Did it screw Texas Tech out of an extended game or a chance a little bit further into the game <laughs> to have an opportunity, maybe to onside kick again and, and make something out of it, possibly? Why is one result more tolerable than the other? Uh, I don't know exactly what to make of this, but I'm curious if we get any response of any kind from the Big 12 or, again, from Coach McGuire uh, this week. But that within the annals of a bizarre bizarre officiating history in this conference kind of stands alone even to me as something that is unique what a shame <laughs> i don't know what other way to describe that uh anyway texas tech is back on the road for another this time around as the red raiders travel to stillwater oklahoma we'll have plenty on that inside and out this week with chris level right here on Locked On Texas Tech. Thanks for joining us on the morning after report and get right back here for the premiere. Coming up Monday morning, 7 a.m. Central Standard Time, God's time for Locked On Texas Tech.